Listener Production. Hello and welcome to The Briefing. Tom Tilly with you, joined by Katrina Blowers. And Katrina, in this episode, the growing optimism that 2023 will be the year that Julian Assange is released. Yeah, so the WikiLeaks founder has been in detention for 12 years now in the UK, the past three of which have been in a high-security prison. So why the optimism and what would be the pathway out? Julian Assange has now spent over a decade in very harsh conditions, whether at the Ecuadorian embassy or alternatively now Belmarsh prison. His health has deteriorated markedly, but any punishment that he ought to have served in the eyes of the United States has been served. That's Greg Barnes, a barrister and a key member of Assange's team. We'll speak to him in the second half of this episode. First, today's headlines. It is Tuesday, the 24th of January. Qantas says there are absolutely no issues with any of the airline's planes after five flights were made to turn around mid-air during the past week. These incidents included a mayday call on a New Zealand to Sydney flight. It was later downgraded to a PAN. That means a possible assistance needed alert. The airline CEO is hit back at criticism and told 2GB that Qantas has a smaller proportion of flights making turnbacks in comparison to other airlines. Incidents across the week have ranged from an engine failure to fumes in the cabin of an aircraft. The airline has assured that each incident is being investigated by engineers. Nothing to see here, apparently. Doesn't look good, Nothing though, does at it? All. No. And there are calls to block Kanye West from entering Australia to visit his new wife's family. So Devere Abramovich, chairman of the Jewish lobby group, the Anti-Defamation Commission, has issued a statement calling West a hate monger who spews threats against the Jewish community and peddles conspiracy myths. He says Australia should not put out the welcome mat for Kanye West. Abramovich says he plans to write to the immigration minister, calling on him to refuse West's visa on character grounds. So Kanye West uh, recently married Melbourne architect Bianca Sensori in a non-binding ceremony in Utah. That was just a few weeks ago. And it's believed he's planning to come to Melbourne to visit her family next week. What do you make of this one, Katrina? Yeah, he should totally be banned on character grounds. And I say this because so many other celebrities have also been banned on character grounds for doing things that probably haven't offended quite as many people. I mean, rapper Tyler, the creator, had to cancel his 2015 tour in Australia Mm. after a petition was signed against him um, because of his offensive lyrics against women. Chris Brown was denied a visa back in 2016. Snoop Dogg back in 2007 was banned because of drug and firearm offences. So if the Australian government is going to step in for those people, they need to step in for Kanye West too. Mm, I'm not sure it's super clear-cut. I mean, his comments were absolutely despicable, but some legal experts I've noticed have been pointing out that he's coming in a private capacity rather than a business capacity. So if he was coming out to go on a speaking tour where he would potentially make money and espouse those views, then that would be super clear-cut or even a tour where he might make money and espouse those views. But if he comes on a tourist visa and just visits his in-laws in a private capacity, you know, does that change things for you? Yeah, because I think wherever Kanye West goes, there's going to be intense publicity. And it's just, I don't think, a good look to let one person in when so many others have been denied on character grounds. 
Police in California have found the body of the Lunar New Year shooter. He was a 72-year-old man and he was found dead in his van. Officers believe Hu Khan Tran killed 10 people and injured another 10 at a Monterey Park dance studio on Saturday night before driving to a second dance studio where two members of the community wrestled the gun off him. Police then found him driving his white van. They swarmed it and found that he died of a self-inflicted gun wound. Homicide detectives are working around the clock, gathering additional information and working on determining the motive behind this extremely tragic event. That was the voice of LA's Sheriff Robert Luna there. Tran's ex-wife, who remains anonymous, told CNN he was a regular at the Stardance studio and added that's also where they met. That's really weird. It's a bizarre, very sad story that a man of that age would target dance studios in his own community on Chinese New Year. It's just devastating. And Peru has closed its famous tourist spot, Machu Picchu, indefinitely because of ongoing deadly protests being held against the new president. So authorities say both Machu Picchu and the Inca Trail leading to it will be closed until further notice, which has left hundreds of tourists stranded for hours at the foot of the spot. Um, They've now been rescued. So these protests began in December when the former president was ousted after attempting to dissolve the parliament to prevent an impeachment vote. So far, these protests have killed 55 people and injured 700. So there's a lot of unrest there in Peru. And Novak Djokovic has thrashed Australia's Alex Dimonor in one of his best performances at the Australian Open last night. Well, I don't know ever, but uh, definitely best tennis I've played this year in this tournament and so far this season. Um, best match, so I'm, I'm really glad. Yeah, not to say I told you so, but remember yesterday I said oh, I'm a bit worried <laughs> that um, Djokovic might steamroll Dominor. Yeah, you were very, very right. The nine-time champion absolutely dominated the match. 6-2, didn't face a break point throughout the whole thing. Can I also say the other person who I've been watching so eagerly, not just in her uh, on-court interviews, but also her social media, is Yelena Dokic. She's been mm. doing such a wonderful job also calling out the haters on her socials who've been attacking her and body shaming her she's really coming to her own and I'm just loving seeing where she's at right now yeah her interviews are great you know knowing you know how much history she has in the game and the relationships she has with a lot of the players um yeah all the hateful stuff it's it's so it's devastating to watch um body shaming I just I just don't know about that strategy of amplifying the haters though it's often exactly what those trolls want they want attention and she's giving them lots of it Yeah, Tom, sadly, that's probably a very good point. All right, now we're going to get into our briefing topic on Julian Assange. Just over 12 years ago, five major media outlets, including the New York Times and The Guardian, published a series of confidential cables from the US State Department in cooperation with WikiLeaks. Yeah, so there were hundreds of thousands of cables that were leaked. They detailed corruption, diplomatic scandals. There were videos from the war in Iraq that showed the killing of civilians. Uh, It was a major, major scandal. Since then, the American whistleblower who leaked the documents, Chelsea Manning, has served seven years in jail and then been released. But Julian Assange 
the man who brought those documents to the world via WikiLeaks, has been in different forms of detention now for over 12 years. So he's wanted in the US to face charges of aiding and conspiring with Manning to release the information. And those charges carry a maximum sentence of 175 years. So let's find out why his supporters are hoping he could be out in the first half of this year. Greg Barnes is a senior counsel and a key advisor for the Australian Assange campaign. Greg, thanks so much for joining us on The Briefing. So how optimistic are you that Assange could be released or at least brought home sometime this year? Are you more optimistic, say, than you were a year or two ago? Well, certainly more optimistic for a number of reasons. Firstly, you've got an Australian Prime Minister who's indicated that he wishes this matter to come to an end. He said that on a number of occasions. He's indicated that he's been speaking to the Americans about the matter. I think there's an increasing amount of global support. And significantly, you had the editors of five leading newspapers around the world writing to the President, uh, Joe Biden, and indicating that Julian Assange should be released. So that's significant because um, they are all newspapers that published uh, WikiLeaks material back in 2010, 2011, and are standing by that uh, the, the WikiLeaks and the connection that they made at that particular point of time, and making the point to President Biden that this really is simply an issue about freedom of speech. You know, journalists around the world need to know that they can report material without fear of the United States using its espionage laws uh, in order to bring them before the courts. So speaking of the new Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, he did say in November that he'd raised the Assange issue with representatives of the US government, quote, what did you take that to mean? Did you take that to mean he'd raised it directly with Joe Biden? Well, look, he, he certainly had the opportunity to do that because he'd seen President Biden at a number of international summits, as you know, just prior to him making that statement. One would expect that um, he has raised it at the highest levels. I mean, he didn't directly say President Biden, but certainly a number of people have said that's the inference you can draw. What is he saying to them in those meetings? Obviously, he's you know saying publicly here in Australia he wants the Assange issue to be brought to a close. But is he saying drop the charges? Is he saying try him quickly but give us some kind of deal on the sentencing? Is he saying try him there but allow us to, um, you know, let him serve the sentence here in Australia? What is he actually asking for? Well, we can only assume that he's essentially saying that Julian Assange has now spent um, over a decade in very harsh conditions, whether at the Ecuadorian embassy or alternatively now Belmarsh prison, his health has deteriorated markedly. But any punishment that he ought to have served in the eyes of the United States has been served. In our view is, and we've said this publicly, and we'd certainly be urging the Prime Minister to say what I've just said, which is that enough is enough. uh, And this matter ought to be brought to a close, not by having a quick trial and then some form of sentence being imposed, but by simply recognising that suffering that's been imposed over the past decade is enough and that it's important for Julian Assange now to get his health back and be released from Belmarsh Prison. So I guess in terms of asking the US to drop the charges, is it realistic to expect the US to back down without trying and convicting him first? We think so, and we think so for this reason, that this current indictment, if you like, list of charges, of course, was put together by the Trump administration. Uh, There was an original very small and limited uh, set of charges that were put together by 
the Obama administration and what the Trump administration did was to enlarge it, enlarge it so that it could use its domestic law to uh, go after someone who published material that it regarded as being embarrassing uh, for it, even though that person was not in the United States. The Biden administration is stuck with that particular indictment but doesn't have to proceed with it. Uh, and furthermore, this is a case that that is unique in the sense that um, you've had an individual who's uh, sought asylum, uh, is, is right in the Ecuadorian embassy, who gets dragged out of the embassy uh, three years ago now and is in uh, very harsh conditions at Belmarsh Prison. So it is a case where there are plenty of reasons why uh, you could very legitimately and very reasonably as a nation say, we're no longer going to pursue this matter. But how do they sell that to the American public? Greg, I mean, many Democrats may back the move, but I imagine a lot of you know people who swing more towards a Republican vote would want a, a tough approach on Julian Assange. So what, what would really be in this for President Biden politically? How could you expect them to get out of this without losing massive face to, to big parts of the US population that would want a tough approach here? It's not an issue that's partisan in a political sense. There are a number of Republicans who are very supportive of Assange, uh, Senator Rand Paul from Kentucky is one. There are a number who've expressed concerns about the overreach of US law, particularly the espionage legislation. So uh, in that sense, it's not an issue where President Biden needs to be saying, well, I can't do this because uh, the Republicans will create uh, a real problem for me. The issue, of course, is uh, whether or not in the United States there is still the the great bloodthirst for Julian Assange that there was. And certainly what we're detecting is that there's been a shift in the United States. A lot of people are now saying, look, given that Chelsea Manning, who of course was the source of the material that was published by Julian Assange in 2010-2011, given his sentence was commuted by President Obama, given Julian Assange has now been in detention for this lengthy period of time, Where's the public interest served by continuing this particular matter? What about Kevin Rudd's appointment as US ambassador? Does that buoy your hopes? Uh, well, Kevin Rudd has been very supportive of Julian Assange and he's made that point publicly on a number of occasions. And yes, um, you would have to say that when uh, the Australian ambassador in Washington uh, has a very strong view on a particular matter and it coincides with the Prime Minister, that he is well-placed to be able to uh, work through those issues with the White House and with the the Biden administration. So certainly Kevin Rudd's appointment is a very good sign when it comes to the Assange case. Okay, let's imagine the best case scenario from your point of view. What is the timeline? How does this play out? That's very difficult to know because uh, in this particular case, there is no timeline, but one would have expected that given the urgency and what the Prime Minister is saying is that this is a matter that could be resolved early this year. And certainly, given the pressure that's coming on the United States government um, from Australia, but also, I should say, from uh, Latin America, from the president of Mexico, the president of Brazil, amongst others, have expressed concern about the case. So President Biden's getting some pressure from a number of sources. Uh, One could expect that it uh, moves very quickly in the first quarter of this year, but I'm not by any means saying that that's the case. It's simply going on what the landscape looks like and... uh, some of the statements have been made by individuals who are close to the case. Okay, so best case scenario, you, you're talking about the next few months. You Are you imagining an announcement from Joe Biden saying, this has gone on long enough, we don't see the point of pursuing these charges, we're dropping them, and then Assange walks out of Belmarsh and probably goes and 
you know, visits the mother of his two children, his two children then comes home? I mean, is that the sequence of events? Well, certainly uh, being able to come back to Australia uh, and be reunited with his family, yes, in a sense that if this scenario happens, then it would simply be there's no basis in law to hold him in Belmarsh Prison and therefore he's released and he's released unconditionally. What do you know right now about how Julian Assange is holding up as this latest sequence of events given him some hope? Look, I haven't spoken to him for a while, but his, his father, John Shipton, I speak to regularly and, and his brother Gabriel, I speak to them weekly. And uh, certainly I think it's fair to say that uh, anyone in the position of Julian Assange would have to be buoyed by particularly the commitment of the Australian Prime Minister, uh, which hasn't been there previously but now is evident. His health, of course, continues to deteriorate, his mental and physical health, and it is important, therefore, that we continue the urgency in this matter because... Uh, This is a man who has, and this is on the public record, has in fact endured some very poor health over the past 10 years and Belmarsh Prison is not a place you'd want to be if you had health conditions. Greg, is another likely scenario, so let's let's say the US doesn't agree to that sequence of events we just talked about where they drop the charges. What if they come back and say, look, we're willing to give some wiggle room here, but we need to go through the legal process of trying him and convicting him on these charges and then we can offer you some kind of sentencing deal. Would a deal like that ever be enough to get Julian Assange to travel to the US and face these charges? Well, the position that we've taken is that he ought not be going to the United States at all. And the reason he ought not be going to the United States at all is because, as we know from the extradition proceedings, the United States' prison conditions are notoriously harsh Um, He would be treated, in our view, in a very harsh fashion in the United States in uh, in detention, uh, and it would be dangerous to his health to go to the United States, and that's why the extradition is being resisted. But how long would he maintain that position? What if this dragged on for another five years? Would he still hold that position, or, you know, does the balance start to shift? That's a matter for Julian. His legal team is totally opposed to him going to the United States for the reasons I've just outlined. In terms of the timeline of this case, there are currently appeals in the UK courts. We're waiting on a decision from uh, an English judge as to whether or not those appeals can proceed. We expect that they will, which means the case will certainly go into this year uh, and decisions made this year. And so we expect some resolution in the United Kingdom of the case. Uh, There is, of course, talk now of going to the European Union and the European Court of Justice. But in terms of the legal process, uh, this first six months of this year are fairly critical. That's Greg Barnes, a barrister and advisor for the Australian Assange campaign. Quite a bit of optimism there, Tom. Yeah. Look, I hope they're right. It's been very hard to watch Julian Assange suffer all these years, especially knowing that he has two children now to his partner, Mm. Stella Morris. And the scenario that Greg Barnes just outlined would be great for him and his supporters, but... As you can probably tell from my questions, I do worry that might be a bridge too far politically for the Americans. And instead of dropping the charges, they might be more likely to offer some kind of plea deal, a bit like the David Hicks deal potentially, where the charges are reduced if he pleads guilty and then a much smaller sentence can be served, potentially even a suspended sentence, meaning he could walk free straight away. That would be a lot messier, I would say. Um, would take a lot more time. So I don't know how that would go. Clearly, what Greg Barnes is talking about would be simpler and quicker. So it'll be really interesting to see because 
as you know, he said, if this is going to happen in the next few months, there's going to have to be some major developments. Yeah, I also think that the the last 12 years of detention, you know, in some form that he's had to endure has to be taken into account here. And in particular, the toll that that has had both on his physical and mental health, that cannot be underestimated. Listener.